Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? that the Kimberley in Western Australia was at one time seriously considered as an option for the Jewish homeland. That's according to the new SBS docuseries, Who the Bloody Hell Are We? A three-part series uncovering the unknown histories of the Jewish, New Zealand and Chinese communities here in Australia. The first episode is hosted by the man who was once described by an American critic as very white, very Jewish and very Australian. Hello, John Safran. Uh, no, thank you for having me on. And shalom. I'm getting into the the theme of the doco. Yeah, when I think of the perhaps lesser known stories or contributions of the Jewish community in Australia, I actually think of Julian Lisa, MP, the first Jewish liberal elected to the House of Reps from New South Wales. He commenced his campaign with a mezuzah affixing ceremony. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He swore on the Torah. He's one of five current Jewish members of federal parliament. True story, I was walking past his house one day. He was moving in uh, and removalists were moving in a piano and I got chatting with him and he explained this piano has enormous sentimental value, an heirloom which his family somehow were able to get out just before the infamous pogroms of 1938, uh, which would later become known as Kristallnacht. I can't say that any of my family heirlooms come with such weight, both literal or, or historical. Uh, in your family, what your heirlooms lack in mass are made up for in meaning. Tell me about your spoon. There's, there's a spoon amongst the crockery and like everyone else, like uh, or cutlery, I mean, and like everyone else, how did everything get there? And, and all these plates and bowls and everything in your cupboard. And this one's got S-A-K um, engraved on it. So I once asked my dad, or it just came up, well, you know, because it's just a spoon, I eat my cereal with every so often. And, 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 the, and the story was that when my grandparents, when the, the first they had to uh, flee the Nazis because they were Jewish and they, they f fled Poland and then they went on a bit of a adventure, <laughs> which is a, 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 probably a too nice a way of putting it, to a, a gulag in Russia, then to a displacement camp in Uzbekistan, then back to Poland after the war. But then like just because the Nazis had been driven out, it didn't mean the Jews were welcome. Then they, a German displacement camp, and then eventually um, to Sweden. And that was like the first place they were actually welcomed as like people, uh, you know, and not, not just as uh, refugees in a uh, refugee camp. And they were given a, a swag bag on their arrival of bare essentials, and it, which included a cutlery set and of which the spoon survives and in my, um, in my cutlery drawer and, uh, yeah. All so, for you to eat your weak bix off in, uh, Melbourne, Australia. I know your politician friend is rolling his eyes if he's listening going, well, you know. Well, it's not exactly a what, piano, is yeah, it? It's not, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> piano was heavy. Like my ancestors actually put their back into it. You call that a, a burden? <laughs> yes. You should have brought a piano. <laughs> what do you think it is about the Jewish New Zealand, uh, particularly the Maori and the Chinese communities that lend their contribution to the Australian history or story, sometimes being left out? Did you find any commonalities between these through three sort of stories? Well, not to be a contrarian, but yeah, yes, yes. On the one hand, you're totally true. It's like different immigrant groups 
have uh, similar stories and there's, you know, a bit of hardship and there's, so they have to work harder and, and stuff like that. But I, I was also really interested in, are there distinct things about uh, the Jewish experience that actually you can't just um, throw in the Italians and say, and say, oh, well, you know, it's basically the same for all immigrant groups, but just different window dressing. Like in some ways it is, but in, in deeper ways, um, when, when I was given the dossier of all this information of Jews and their history, um, the, the story was just a bit too neat. And, so, and I'd like to give you a, for instance, of what I'm talking about. It was, the, the story was that, uh, you know, there was a handful of Jews on the first fleet and uh, they came over and there was this one young woman who was a convict and she uh, married uh, a military du- dude who ended up being essentially like the the leader of the colony. So she, she was essentially became the first lady of, uh, the colony and, and, you know, so that kind of tells the story on a superficial level of like, well, Jews suffered thousands of years of persecution or at the very least being considered outsiders, uh, um, in Europe. And, you know, even when the first fleet left England at that point, it's like the Jews were considered not not English, like the other English people, they were like outsiders, there was something else. But this, this story demonstrates that Jews could just kind of climb pretty easily the, 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 the social class system. And, uh, and that's what that story told. And I don't know, there was just something in me, I'm going, is it a more complicated than that? Like really? It's always well, more complicated than well, that. Well, they're really like these thousands of years of Jews being considered the other and something, and sometimes in real harsh ways, some ways, you know, not as harsh, but still they're not part, they're not us. And then we came to Australia and it just, there was none of that. And then, then when I looked a bit deeper, I started seeing that, well, it, when you were a convict back then, um, you were dragged to church every Sunday. Like you had to go to the Anglican church if you were a convict and regardless of whether you were Anglican or not. Mm, mm. And then you weren't allowed to publicly express your religion unless you're Anglican or whatever. And then so suddenly it becomes, well, you know, like obviously you could not be, uh, you know, you could not be an open Jew then in, in that way at least. And then I spoke to her, this convict's great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter and she's telling me, she's going, oh, yes, well, you know, she married and, you know, she was there, but, you know, when her kids were born, she had to baptise them as Christians. How and, interesting. And then, and then I said to this great, 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 great granddaughter, I go, would she have really wanted that? Like, you know, and, and she goes, of course not. So, so, so the story goes from, oh, well, you could just, you know, be uh, Jewish and climb the social class easy. And it's like when the real, another layer to it is you could be Jewish as long as you were Anglican. <laughs> and, and, and a so, bizarre subsect of the Anglican Church. Yeah, I, and I, I guess that touches on things such as how Jews, because of their light skin, or often their light skin, can kind of have the option of assimilating. But then, what does that mean? Because that can be good or that can be bad. You know, that can, that can be like, and uh, and and I found like the whole history at, at every point I looked into because the show goes chronologically: First Fleet to last week. And then, um, at all points, there was this sort of thing that was, a, a, I think a quite a uniquely Jewish experience as opposed to just, oh, you could, uh, substitute in, in any other migrant group that came in sometimes for better, you know, like, like sometimes it was like, well, we weren't treated as harshly as other groups, sometimes worse. And sometimes just, 
I, I guess it's just life's really interesting. Do you, do you think that's the reason that most Jews in Australia are either non-practicing uh, or, or, or conservative or reformist? I mean, in terms of religion in Australia at the moment, the most recent census, 2021, had about 100,000 people identifying as Jewish, right? Fewer than 10% of those in each city identify as Orthodox or ultra-Orthodox. For the most part, the Jewish community are indistinguishable from the majority of the population. So this being forced to go to church as a, a new settler in this country, do you, do you, do you connect those two ideas? Uh, no. And as with everything, it's like everything's so hard and complicated, like, because, uh, Jewishness, like at the ethnicities kind of tied in with religious practice and it's really hard to draw these lines. So for instance, the, some of those, a lot of those secular Jews you speak about or non-religious Jews, they'd still have a Passover meal <laughs> and they'd still light candles and they'd still say a prayer, which like in the case of my family, when we said we had the Friday Shabbos meal, we lit candles and cut the challah, the, the plaited bread or whatever. And, and I'm really, it was like, well, is that like a cultural practice, you know, or like at what point is that religion, even if you're saying it's not. I, I mean, I mean, I guess for my family, it would have been a bit like, oh, the Scottish people blow the bagpipes. And we're, As and in we're my family. Yeah. Yes. This, and this we're, is... cutting the, we're cutting the colour, except the ritual, the cultural ritual is religious. So, and I, I would say, uh, I'd, I'd say in another way, Jews are sort of, when one lay, you're totally right that they're secular, but in another way, it's like, they're the people who go secular, but remain Jewish, mm. as it can compare to just say a uh, you were brought up Christian, and then you decide, oh God, I don't believe in this religion anymore. I think it's ridiculous. And internally, those people, at least a lot of them, I'm not, you know, obviously I can't speak on behalf of everyone. They actually don't feel Christian anymore. And then, uh, and and whilst in Jewish people can like go basically be atheists or whatever, but they still feel really Jewish and like kind of why wouldn't they? So after having done this docuseries on these three communities, do you see any other communities in contemporary Australian society who might feature in a future season of Who the Bloody Hell Are We? I mean, what about my family I... of tight-ass Calvinist Scots playing someone's <laughs> borrowed or stolen bagpipes? Well, if man, if I was greenlighting that pitch, I love it. You've got it. You've, you've got it. The, um, we won't I, pay I was for it, just... though, because that's what we do as Scots. We do not pay for anything. <laughs> the, uh, I was just, like, brought in to be uh, the representative and uh, the sleuth for Jew Week. But um, I, 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 what, so I, I don't really, you know, I, I don't really know what the long-term plans are from the SBS or the production company. But from what I understand is, like, yeah, if these first three episodes, me doing – uh, the history of Jews in Australia. Adam Lau, who of course is a famous and well-regarded uh, chef, he's doing the history of Chinese people in Australia. And Kel Wilson's doing the history of Kiwis in Australia. And I understand if these all go well, yes, it, it, it's not like SBS thought. Oh, the Chinese Kiwis and Jews are the only interesting novelty minority. It's proof like, of concept. It's proof yeah, it's of proof concept. of concept exactly. <laughs> I just want to ask you before you go, your friend and co-host of Speaking in Tongues, Father Bob Maguire, passed away yes. earlier this year. Do you think he would have had something to say about your episode of Who the Bloody Hell Are We? And sorry for your loss, by the way. Oh, no, no. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, just, I mean, the, the, well, now that he's passed on, I can just 
basically put words into his mouth <laughs> and what's he, what's he going to do about it? Is this I what think they he call AI? Is, uh, is yeah, he, I, thought, I thought he would have rest loved his soul? it. He would have gone, John, you're so funny. Oh, the, the, the story arc was wonderful and you're handsome. The lighting was great. Yeah, I know he would have. I can't see why he wouldn't have liked it because um, it's me being my – uh, troublemaking self, <laughs> which Bob seemed to always like. And and also he was a troublemaker himself, so we kind of bonded over that. <laughs> Who the Bloody Hell Are We is released on SBS TV at 7.30 tonight. It's also on demand at the same time. John Safran, thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you very much. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>